Somebody say amen. 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 The goodness of God. Amen. Is Robin Anglin in the house this this, this morning? Robin, come on up here. Robin, I've, I hear I hear tell about this prayer room that's coming up. Is is there? Is can you tell us about that? When does it start? How long will it run? Where it's located? All that kind of good stuff. I'm excited. The prayer room is in room 37, right along the way over here, and it is going from May 21st to May 31st, and we're starting at midnight on Wednesday night, going into Thursday. All right. And we're going to go all the way through 24/7. To, all the way to the day of Pentecost, right. the global day of prayer, which is May 31st. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, are there still sign-up slots left for people to sign up for an hour in the room? Yes, there are slots out there. You just go out to the foyer. There's some sign-up sheets, and you can pick the slot that you want. I had a little lady that came to me this morning after the first service, and she said, I need more than one hour. So if you need more than one hour, feel free to sign up for more than one hour. Okay, so people on the other end of that spectrum, how in the world can you possibly pray for one hour? Well, let me first tell you, you're not doing time. It's not like we're... It's coming before the Lord in His presence. He wants to meet with you. And what's neat about it is we're going to have some delightful hour of prayer sheets if you want to follow that. There's going to be several of these Global Day of Prayer pamphlets, and in there it follows the Lord's Prayer, and there's things that you can pray. We're also going to have prayer stations in there, and there will be instructions in those prayer stations. For instance, one of the stations, there's going to be maps of the world, maps of Indiana, maps of Fort Wayne, and there's different areas that we need to pray over. Amen. Now, these... these it says the Global Day of Prayer Guide. This is a 10-day guide. Whether you're involved in the prayer room or not, please pick one of these up. You can take one. You can get one back there at the, at the table. So we'd love to have everybody have that. Um, is our South Campus going to be involved in this at all? Yes. They're pretty excited, too. We've already had people come forward that say, I want to sign up down at South. They're going to do it on Thursday. And they're going to go from Thursday in the morning at 8 o'clock until 8 o'clock on Friday. So that's their 24-hour period. And their prayer room will be open for that 24 hours on Thursday. So people from north, if there's slots available, can go down there. And they can also come up here yes. during the week. So that's very good. Um, I want to take a moment and pray for Robin. Robin is our prayer ministry coordinator and has been spearheading this prayer room, getting it together. And they are still in the process of preparing it. And, um, you know, as you would expect, the devil has been beating her up. And um, it's not unexpected, but it's not pleasant. And so I want to take time to pray for Robin. But before I do, I just need you to, to know this. I don't know how many of you are plugged into what's happening around here. I, I don't know that. But I can tell you this. Five people this morning after the first service came and told me of significant answers to prayer this past week. Five people, significant, major answers to prayer. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. And these answers to prayer are things we've been praying about on Wednesday night in our prayer meeting and other times. I have no idea what God has in store for us, but I can't wait to be part of it. 
There's 240 hours that we're going to fill from the 21st of May to the 31st of May. Don't miss it. You won't want to miss it. Let me pray for Robin. Lord, I pray for your special protection for Robin Anglin. I ask, Lord, that you would give her a sense of your powerful presence. I pray, Lord, that Robin and the ones that are helping her finish up the room to prepare it for us, that that you would help them even now to feel your presence powerfully in that room. I pray, Lord, that Robin would feel you working, continue to feel you working in her life, in the life of of her family. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd just give her peace and rest. In Jesus' name, and all the family said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Robin. God bless you. I am so excited about this, uh, but maybe you can tell. I don't know. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, the last few verses of Luke chapter 10. Follow along as I read Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She came to him. Oh, I'm sorry. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, as we... Look at this passage of Scripture for a few moments this morning. Will you speak to our hearts, Father? Will you begin or continue to prepare our hearts for what's to come? In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to look together at this passage of Scripture, specifically three phrases that appear in these verses. The first phrase is found in verse 38. The first phrase I want us to to notice is the phrase, on their way. Verse 38 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Everyone in life, all of us here, we we are on a journey. We are all taking a trip, a life trip. We are on the way somewhere. There is a purpose in our direction. There is a reason that we're going in a specific direction. It could be a good reason or a bad reason. It could be a positive reason or a negative reason. It could be a selfish reason or a selfless reason. It could be a spiritual reason or a non-spiritual reason. Everyone is on a journey and there is a purpose of some kind to that journey. Now, as we read through the four Gospels, we read an account of the journey that Jesus and his disciples were on. Their way was clearly recorded for us to look at and to to read any time we want. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Now, this phrase, 
could be considered an insignificant phrase compared to many other in the New Testament that we could point out. It just says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way. But you could also look at that, and I have, by the way, and you could see something significant about this. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Again, everyone is on a journey of some kind. But the disciples had chosen to, to turn from the, the, the direction that they were going initially in their lives and turn and completely go in Jesus' direction, to join Jesus on his journey. Jesus walked up to them. He walked what right into the middle of their lives and he challenged them. He said, come, follow me. He challenged them to leave everything they had ever known, their, their, their work, their, everything they had known. He challenged them to turn their backs on it and come follow him as Jesus and his disciples were on their way. One of the amazing truths about this little phrase is that the disciples really didn't know where they were going. And for sure, they didn't know when or where they were going to end up. Yet there was something about Jesus. There was something about His presence when they were with Him that, that drew Him or drew them to Him and His way. As they spent more and more time with Jesus, that made, ev- that made their understanding of where they were going or where they were going to end up almost irrelevant. They were with Jesus. Getting to know Jesus, spending time with Him was more than enough for them as they were on their way. You see, they loved following Jesus. Their hearts beat strongly in their chests when they followed Jesus. They longed to follow Jesus as Jesus and His disciples were on their way. It's the whole concept of picking up your cross and following Jesus. It's the whole concept of the things of this world growing strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's turning our eyes on Jesus and saying to Him, Lord, show me the way. Lord, tap me on the shoulder, or for some of us, knock me down with the spiritual two-by-four if I get off the path. Lord, show me the way. Where He leads me, I will follow. Where He leads me, I will follow. I'll go with Him. With Him all the way. Somebody say Amen. Amen. All of us here this morning are on a journey. A journey of some kind. Now the $64,000 question, probably a lot more because of inflation, but whatever it is, the $64,000 question is, who is leading you? Who's leading me? If if Jesus is your part-time leader, ain't good enough. If Jesus isn't even in the picture, you are walking down the wrong path. So the question is, who 
is leading the way? Who is calling the shots in your life? I mean completely. The disciples had chosen to, had chosen to take a radical departure from where they were starting on that journey early on. A radical departure from that and they signed up with Jesus. They said, Jesus, I'm with you to the end. Now, you know, they, they didn't keep that promise there toward the end. We'll get to Pentecost. We'll get to Pentecost Sunday. But they, they, were, they were captivated by Jesus. Every day they got up, they said, Jesus, what's next? Where are we going next, Jesus? What's on the agenda today? We can't wait. And Jesus would lead them. He was their rabbi. He was their teacher. He was their leader on their way. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way. I pray that it is appropriate and true for me to say it this way. As Jesus and His disciple Chuck were on their way. I pray that that's true. I'm pretty sure it is. And I pray that, that you would be able to put your name into that phrase. As Jesus and His disciple, Greg, were on their way. You see, I want to answer that challenge from Jesus like this. Here I am, send me. I want to answer that, that, that challenge when Jesus says, come follow me. I want to answer it by saying, count me in 100%. See, he's still calling people today. What will your answer be? Jesus and his disciples were on their way. The second phrase I want us to notice is found in verse 40. And it says this, But Martha was distracted. But Martha was distracted. You see, Martha was distracted, it says, by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha was so wrapped up in doing that she was missing face time with Jesus. Martha was so wrapped up in the details of life that those same details were robbing her of her presence with the Lord, of her time with the Lord, of her focus on the Lord at that moment. You see, Martha was distracted. Now, I don't know if you realize this, probably you all do, but... Our enemy uses distractions of all sizes, shapes, kinds, and, and, and any, any way else you want to describe it. He uses all of them in your life and mine. Our enemy has been known to use the whole arsenal of distractions on people like you and me. We are distracted, of course. We People are some distracted by sin. And temptation. That's a big one. The, our enemy uses sin to distract people from their focus on Jesus. But he also uses in a lot of our lives good things to distract us from our focus, from our time with Jesus. He uses normal things sometimes. He even once in a while uses some of our responsibilities in, that, that you have and I have to distract us. From FaceTime with Jesus. You see, I get distracted sometimes doing pastor things. But I don't know if there's anybody here that would say that pastor things are bad. Maybe some would. I don't know. But I consider them good. 
So even doing pastor things sometimes robs me of intimate fellowship with my father. Martha was distracted by her responsibility of caring for her guests. It's not that it was wrong, it was just misplaced at the wrong time. Now was the time for her to sit at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we can be distracted by things in our lives that I guess you could say are good, at least partially. We can be distracted on our way by work, by family, by play, by TV, by Xbox, by texting, by we, 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 all the way home. None of these things, I don't think, are sinful in and of themselves, but they can distract us from our intimate focus on the Father. The last thing Satan wants in your life and mine is for, is for us to become people of prayer. The absolute last thing he wants for you is to grasp this idea of an intimate relationship with the Father through prayer. The last thing God wants for this body of Christ is for us to be called a house of prayer. The absolute last thing He wants is for us to grasp what God means by intimate communication with Him. Lord, teach us to pray. Satan will use anything he can to stop you and me from becoming prayer warriors for him. But Martha was distracted. The the third phrase is found in verse 42. And it says this, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen, Jesus said, what is better. Now what did Jesus mean by better? What was he referring to as better in Mary's life? Well, simply this. She was sitting in the presence of Jesus. She was there with Him. He arrived. They're getting settled. She's sitting at His feet, focused on Him. Probably her eyes were burning a hole in Him. She was so focused. Mary has chosen what is better. She was basking in His presence. She was taking time on purpose to be with Him. In other words, Martha, what could be more important than that at this time? See, Jesus wasn't saying that Martha's preparations were not important. In fact, in their culture, they were important. Jesus was saying that there is a time for preparations in their proper context, and there is a time to spend with the Father. And all of us, as followers of God, need to have Him help us figure it out. What does it mean for me to put all of this in proper perspective and give you your place in my life? In order for us to do that, all of us are going to have to make some adjustments. All of us are going to have to make some adjustments. We're all going to have to move some things around in our lives. Good things. We're going to have to spend less time on we. We're going to have to spend less time texting. We're going to have to spend less time on Xbox. We're going to, on and on and on and on. 
Because the focus in your life and mine is knowing Him. Jesus was saying, there's a time, there's a time for good things. But there's also a time in the followers of Christ in, in, our, in, our, in our lives to, to focus on Him and give Him His proper place in our lives. Mary had chosen what is better. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Spending quality time in His presence. <sighs> you know, we have an opportunity here at Grace Point to choose what is better. We have an opportunity starting Thursday in this 2410 prayer room to choose what is better. To sit at the feet of Jesus. To spend quality time with Him. I was reading a book this past week, and this paragraph was in it. Listen to this. The first Christians set us a challenging example of constant prayer. In fact, 24-7 prayer has marked many of the most exciting seasons of Christian history for 2,000 years. You see, when people pray, something happens. Went on to say, praying without ceasing is not a radical discovery. It's nothing new. In fact, it's the oldest, simplest idea that there is. That we were made to walk in intimate fellowship with God. 24-7 is just a way of getting as many people as possible to lock themselves up in a room for an hour with God and see what happens. <laughs> Jesus said that, Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment is this, to love God wholeheartedly. We do that best through consistent prayer. Oswald Chambers said this, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Listen to this account from John Wesley's life. Just a short account. It happened on January 1st, 1739. John Wesley gathered friends to pray through the night. Hear that? Pray through the night. Inspired by the Moravian prayer vigil that he had, that had impacted his life so profoundly. That night of intercession was to change the course of British and American history. That one night of prayer intercession was to change the course of British and American history. Wesley famously recorded in his journal how, at about three in the morning, as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us, in so much that many cried out for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. This 3 a.m. encounter impacted Wesley's life profoundly, <coughs> propelling him from the prayer room like a meteor, Joined by his brother Charles and a young preacher named George Whitfield, these three men would impact Europe and North America for generations to come. John taught and strategized. George preached. And Charles composed some of the greatest hymns of all time. <coughs> because of, as a result of, a prayer room. On purpose, gathering at a place 
to humble ourselves before God. I found a few examples of testimonies from the 21st century of these prayer rooms. What is happening around the world in these prayer rooms, just like what we're going to do. Well, here's, some, here's a testimony from a church in Tennessee. Our church has been changed forever. Dozens are coming back to Jesus, being saved and filled with the Spirit. We are believing for an awakening that will usher in the greatest harvest the world has ever known. 24-7 prayer has enabled us to be part of it. Here's a testimony from a church in England. Our 24-7 week exceeded all expectations. It's been one of the most productive weeks I've ever known. People were saved. Lukewarm were reignited. I like that. And unity made huge steps forward. Here's a teenager from America about her experience in a prayer room. We left the prayer room at 4.35 in the morning madly and passionately in love with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you want some of our teens to say that? Here's a youth pastor in England. For years, I've been trying to get my young people to have a heart for the lost and a desire to pray. Last night, I found eight of them on their faces in the prayer room at 2 a.m. in the morning weeping for their non-Christian friends. Mary has chosen what is better. We can too. I guess you could put it this way. God is more interested in us being than doing. So many of us do things perhaps to get God's attention. I don't know. But we do, do, do. We wrap ourselves up in doing things. And God is saying, To obey is better than sacrifice. He's saying, I want you to be. I want you to be holy. I want you to be humble and all those other things. I want you to be. And the best way that we can be all that God is calling us to be is sitting in His presence and knowing Him. Being in God's kingdom is better than doing. Mary has chosen what is better. Prayer room starts Thursday. Sign up, show up. Brothers and sisters, hang on. You ain't seen nothing yet. Well, why why pray without ceasing? Why a 24/7 prayer room? The answer was written on a prayer wall in a in a room near Kansas City, and it said this. Why? Because we need miracles more than we need strategies. Because the world is a vacuum waiting to be filled. Because the MTV generation is lost in space. Because we've seen the end of the movie. Because this is not a dress rehearsal. Because the poor are getting poorer. Because we're aliens in this world. Because boredom is sin. Because He is worth it. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way. Did you notice what's next in Luke? Chapter 11's next. And right there, 
Right after this passage, the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say this. Let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mary has chosen what is better. How about you? How about me? Just one hour. One hour in a room with God. Lord, pour out your Spirit on us. Lord, pour out your Spirit and start with me. Let's sing together. sweet hour of prayer. Amen. You know, everybody I talk to that's been involved in some prayer room, everything I read about it, I find myself thinking after those experiences, I want that. I want to be part of that. And I say, Lord, do it here. Do it here. And all the people said, Father, go with these brothers and sisters of mine through this week. Help us, Lord, to seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to love you that way and love our neighbors as ourselves. Help people to look at us, to be around us, to spend time with us, and say, what is different about you? And give us an open door to say, Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. God bless you.